Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of An American F1. And oh, this is so painful to start a podcast on such a negative note. But I mean, F1 Twitter, we got to talk. So F1 Twitter these days, say what you want to say about Twitter and Elon Musk. But I mean, looking at F1 Twitter these days, it is quite, quite horrible sometimes the comments that that we see and and no more is this evident than the forcing basically of all the negativity on twitter all this negative crap going on that we've been forced to lose because of you know just people's unnecessary comments and hate we have lost a great person from Twitter, and that is Matt Bishop. And and it's just insane. The, you know, first of all, the the amount of hate comments that you saw, you know, I don't know if anybody knows the context, but first of all, if you know Formula One, you should know who Matt Bishop is. Matt Bishop is probably one of the premier journalists, one of the premier communications directors. He's worked with McLaren. He's worked with Aston Martin. He is one of like the he's written a book. He's uh, been part of PR work for the W Series. He's just done so much, so much for the world of Formula One. And, um, you know, he recently announced his retirement from Aston Martin. And in the wake of that, Matt being a very out um, gay person, it was there was a lot of hate spewed towards him and it's just irrehensible it's it's embarrassing it's it's a shame because if you know a true f1 legend first of all matt is a true f1 legend on twitter he's one of the greatest guys he will respond to everybody and yet there was all this hate spewed at him by ignorant people who think their opinions for some reason their 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 bigoted opinions are are correct and they just spew this unnecessary hate and this isn't the first time we've seen hate like this on twitter and it's just it gets me so mad because there is so many things that we could be talking about on f1 twitter and yet so many people and i'm not saying it's everybody but there's a good portion of people that just choose to spew hate and and because of that and i don't blame that his mental health you know we talk about mental health being important for that guy's sake he had to take a break and and he is not on twitter right now because of the fact that people cannot hold or people hold these these insane and and hurtful comments and opinions and and decide to spew them when you know if they if they looked that person in the face they would never say it because the fact is a lot of people hide behind their keyboards thinking they're tough when they really aren't so it's a shame that i gotta start on this negative note but i mean oh, matt is so great on twitter he does the you know on this day remembering drivers historical moments he truly is a student of the sport i guess you could say a a historian of the sport a, a, a gatekeeper of the sport caretaker of our sport and and because of hateful insightful comments he's been forced to leave and we have lost something 
insane on Twitter and and something great and it truly truly makes me sad that this has happened and I don't know I don't know how we fix it you know we do all this talk about you know uh you know in the world of formula 1 talking about you know encouraging togetherness encouraging unity unity um encouraging you know diversity and yet encouraging mental health and yet do we really follow through on it do we really care do we really show as a people as a society that we care about this because so far what i've seen has just been depressing and and frustrating and i don't really know what else to say it's just frankly i wish i didn't have to start out this podcast on this way but it's a shame it's been bothering me since i heard about this and uh I just wish we we could do better, people. We can. We need to do better. We need to do better as a whole because, frankly, it's just downright embarrassing. And, again, I don't know what we can do. I think we just got to make little steps. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people are good at calling out these people on Twitter. But even the Twitter landscape itself has changed, right? And that's a whole other debate. And I, I oh, it just mm, bothers me so much that I have to start a Monday morning podcast i wanted to talk about some things in f1 but i can't even get to that right now because of the fact that we have to deal with people spewing unnecessary hate and just frankly being evil evil people so that's my rant first of all and i'm sorry again that i had to start this way but Anyway, how's everybody doing, okay? Is everybody enjoying their F1 offseason? Um, you know, yesterday was the Autosport Awards. I thought that was pretty interesting, right? So we were looking at the Autosport Awards. First of all, <laughs> I got to say, you know, all these drivers looking quite dapper in their uh, fancy suits. And, you know, we saw Seb looking like the man of the uh, hour. You know, Seb with his classic suit and tie and all these fancy things you know is outgoing retirement but there are so many different things we could talk about with the autosport awards and i thought it was pretty cool looking at the different awards they gave to different drivers i think some of them make sense and some of them hey i guess we could debate but going through looking at what we have and you know it's really cool what i love about the autosport awards is that they go through different um you know, different categories, different racing series. So it truly is an autosport awards. And there are different drivers, different things to talk about. Of course, we had, you know, I don't know how much you guys are into rally, but they talked about rally cars, certain awards. And if you're interested in the world of Formula One, our first major award for a Formula One driver was, of course, from Zhou Guan Yu, who won Rookie Driver of the Year. And Honestly, I think if you guys have listened to this podcast, in my mind, Zhou Guan Yu holds a lot of respect to me. And I know when Zhou Guan Yu was hired, it was very controversial. When he got hired by Aston Martin, he was one of these drivers. He was looped in with like the Lance Strolls, the Nick Latifis. You could even say to a certain extent, the Mick Schumachers, that he was essentially a pay driver. He was brought into Aston Martin. Because of the sponsorship money he could generate. Now, yeah, you might want to say that, but the dude had results in F2. And people were just unnecessarily, again, 
a lot of people that don't follow or that didn't really watch Shogun Yu race in Formula 2 would say, you know what, this guy doesn't deserve a ride in Formula 1. This guy does not deserve to be there. But to be fair, as a driver, he was great in Formula 2. I mean, three wins, finishing third in the championship. How could you not say he didn't deserve a chance? I thought Zhou Guan Yu was one of the most solid drivers of that F2 season. I mean, you know, finishing third in that season was quite good because there were some good drivers in that top three. First of all, we had Oscar Piastri finishing number one, Robert Schwartzman, who in testing the other day looked quite solid. I would like to see him get a shot eventually too in, F- in F1 and Zhou Guan Yu. So that was a pretty solid lineup. And for that top three, I got to say for Zhou Guan Yu finishing third, and again, I know that Liam Lawson was available on Liam Lawson. I know that um, Oscar Piastri was available and people were really angry that he didn't get a chance and Teo Porcher. But the fact is, I think Zhou Guan Yu has definitely shown he deserved his ride in F1. And it's going to be interesting to see um, where he will go from there. Okay? So it'll definitely be interesting to see what Zhou Yu can do next year, how he can build off what I thought was a very solid rookie season. Moving on from that, another award that I guess made sense, but when you think about it, was it? Yeah, I guess you could say it's fair. So, car of the year goes to the RB18, which really, was there any other choice? I mean, the Red Bull 18 was insane this year, obviously getting uh, 17 out of 22 races, getting the Constructors' Championship, help leading Max to the World Drivers' Championship. And it's funny because if we were thinking back to the beginning of the year, right, with Bahrain, we would have never thought that that RB18 would be car of the year because, frankly, it had reliability issues. It wasn't always the quickest. The Ferrari looked quicker early on, but... As that car developed, as that car got stronger throughout the year, uh, it definitely deserved the role of being the car of the year. Frankly, just in the way that it it dominated the competition. It, it absolutely wrecked and devastated the competition. So props to the RB18 for being a solid car this year. And... It's going to be interesting. You know, I, I was thinking about next year's F1 season. And if you look at comments made by Helmut Marco and some other folks around Red Bull, a lot of them are thinking that there's going to be some tightening of the competition that uh, Ferrari or even Mercedes can come in close. And hey, actually, Esteban Ocon's comments quite interesting. I'll get to that a little later, but Mercedes, possibly Ferrari, tightening up the competition. If you're listening to Esteban Ocon, who said, you know what? Alpine is the next to step in line towards the front, which I could see, honestly. Like, I could see Alpine being a solid team towards the front. I could see them competing for wins. I think, I really thought this year that that was going to be a team 
that could pull out a surprise win somehow. I thought Fernando Alonso looked quick at times. Esteban Ocon looked at quick at times. And frankly, that car itself was quick at times. So I could have seen the Alpine really having a shot at a win. And it never really materialized. Didn't even get a podium, which, again, shocking. But I think they were really hampered by their reliability issues. And, you know, you could just ask Fernando Alonso how much reliability affected him as well. 2022 British Competition Driver of the Year, Lewis Hamilton. Uh, I don't really have much to say about that. I think we know Lewis. This wasn't Lewis's great season, obviously. I mean... Of course, that's quite obvious. But what I do have to say is the way, and Mercedes as a whole, right? The way Lewis Hamilton and George Russell and Mercedes and that group over there led by Total Wolf, the way they kind of, they knew the chips were down. They knew they had, frankly, the most garbage car Mercedes has had probably since, what, 2013, 2012. It's been one of the worst cars they've ever had. And... The fact that they were able to grind it out and get the most out of that car and upgrade it and get it better throughout the season, even culminating with George's win, right? The fact that they were able to do all that with the struggle they had, there is no doubt why Lewis Hamilton was deserving of the British Competition Driver of the Year because he honestly worked his ass off. And that Mercedes team worked their asses off to get that car to be competitive to be near the front to battle for wins there was you know other it's not just George's win at Brazil there were times where that Mercedes was close to wins with Lewis Hamilton they were close to wins with George Russell and you know they just kept grinding it out they kept getting the most out of that car and frankly well deserved by Mercedes really really well-deserved by Lewis Hamilton to get that British Motorsport Driver of the Year. And that hops on what they voted as Moment of the Year, which was George Russell's win at Brazil. And listen, that was, first of all, Brazil was one of the best races of the year, hands down, right? And one of the best race weekends of the year. Let's not forget that we also had a chance, well, we had, not a chance, but we had Kevin Magnuson's pole position as well at that same race weekend. So, honestly, you probably could have, you probably could have made that whole race itself a moment of the year. That whole race weekend was one of the top race weekends of the year. But George Russell's spectacular drive at Brazil, holding off Lewis Hamilton, uh, getting that car to where it was. Even after bidding it in, what was that, qualifying the day before, two days before, right? Even after bidding it there, George Russell really showing what he could do. And being able to win was an incredible moment indeed. So props to George Russell on that race of the year and that moment of the year. So really got to give props to... George Russell and the Mercedes team for allowing us that moment of the year. And of course, we would be remiss to say that probably one of the best awards of the Autosport Awards last night was 
to one of the greats. And that was the 2022 Gregor Grant Lifetime Achievement Award going to Sebastian Vettel. Who, as they said, right, a legend both on track and off it. Talking about everything Seb has done. Seb, and again, I think I talked about this last week. The transformation of Sebastian Vettel from from that young, cocky, championship-winning driver to the old, I don't even want to say old, he's not old, but to that like serious veteran who uses his platform to advocate for change, you know, what he's done for, not just like advocating for environmental change, but the things he's advocated for politically, you know, having certain uh, helmets that represent those political and social movements as well, really sticking to the point of using his platform like Lewis Hamilton to really appeal towards social and political change. And I don't think, again, I think if you put someone in a time machine or what would it be? If you took someone from 2013 and froze them to 2022, I do not think that they would expect this Sebastian Vettel. And, oh man, I was just thinking again, we are really going to miss Seb, aren't we? Like, what are we going to do next year without Seb? He's not going to be on the paddock. Maybe he'll see be in, like, some kind of capacity. I think I saw Red Bull offering him a job or supposedly, like, Helmut Marco mentioned that. But Sebastian Vettel, truly one of the great guys, truly one of the true advocates in the sport, really using, again, his platform to help inspire political, social change. And, and just a flat-out great racer. And... Man, it really disappoints me that his time at Aston Martin didn't go better. Because I thought he was going to compete for like a win at least. I, I Listen, I didn't think he was going to be... Was he going to win the championship? I didn't see that in my mind happening. But I thought that Aston Martin team was going to be a lot better. And, uh, you know, it just didn't quite materialize for them. And that car just wasn't the best it could be. Then, of course, obviously, driver of the year. Who else would be driver of the year but Max Verstappen? And, you know, a lot of people have their opinions on Max and his driving style. And Say what you want about it. The true story is Max Verstappen has been one of, if not the best driver over the last two years. I mean... Obviously, Lewis Hamilton also being great. You could throw in George Russell. Uh, I would throw in even Lando Norris, Carlos Sainz. But the fact is that Lewis Hamilton. Oh, sorry, Lewis Hamilton. Wow. Hey, maybe that's a little, you know, uh, what is that? Freudian slip that, you know, Lewis Hamilton maybe really is one of the best drivers of the, you know, ever. But anyway, um, no, but Max Verstappen. Undoubtedly this year. Again, you could say what you want about the Red Bull being the fastest car or his aggressive driving style. But the fact is, when Max Max knows how to wheel a car, and we've seen that on numerous occasions, that this guy can really, when he has to, he can definitely wheel a car and just... 
the flat-out dominance he had this year. And, you know, it's one thing to have a fast car. It's another to perform in that fast car. And we've said that. I would say that with Lewis Hamilton, right? We've seen Lewis Hamilton compared to his teammates. The fact is, if you're a good driver and you have a fast car, you know how to wheel it. And it wasn't like Max was close in every race. He dominated some races. So definitely deserving of driver of the year as well. So... Again, I thought it was very interesting with the Autosport Awards. What I really am getting excited for, it, and it's really, last year was different because I was in COVID, so I had the chance to really, like, fully enjoy it, but I can't wait for the FIA prize-giving ceremony. I know it sounds so random, but it's honestly, it's like half award ceremony, half spectacle, and I don't know, last year was so cool when they had the cars driving up, and you know, all those fancy presenters. And I'm sure this year is going to be big, especially with Seb retiring. I'm going to be excited to see it. And, you know, the top three drivers are going to be in attendance as well. So we'll have we'll have Max, we'll have Charles Leclerc, and, of course, we'll have Checo Perez. So that will also be something pretty cool to see. I'm excited for that FIA prize-giving ceremony. So... Yeah, that was my, like, little weekend uh, recap right there of uh, the award ceremony and stuff. And, you know, the F1 offseason has been, you know, it's not been too rough. Thank God, you know. I got to say, thank God for the World Cup being when it is because it was like the Formula 1 season ended. We had a little break, and then the World Cup began. And, listen, I got to give props to my Dutch fans out there, you guys absolutely crushed us and you know this world cup not really going too well for me as a fan well as a you know being born in the united states as an american really thought we're gonna be much better so props to the netherlands for winning as a person of polish descent i am really not i mean i was pumped they made it to the knockout round but maybe held out for a miracle of france but hey killing mbappe Way too good. So props to my French friends out there. And England, hey, you guys advanced. So we got France, England. That's like a little nice, uh, you know, two historically great Formula One areas, France and England. So racing, a lot of motorsport history there. So a lot of country history there, too, you know, between the two. But be interesting to see who pulls that off. So thankfully, the World Cup has been a nice little diversion from formula one and it's it's kind of funny because my formula one group it is i talk about my group chat often i have a formula one group chat with my friends and basically it's kind of funny because we'll be talking about the world cup and then all of a sudden we'll throw in formula one news so like you know we start talking about we we talk about (laughs) if you look at the group chat it's literally a mix of like cheering for the world cup games finding f1 news and putting it on there so there are so many different things um and oh my god of course as i was thinking about my group chat looking at the mix of world cup and f1 comments on monday i make this podcast on monday talking about ferrari possibly making some changes what literally happens after i publish it matteo benotto resigns Resigns from Ferrari. And now we are getting a new team principal at Ferrari who 
Of course, the rumors it's going to be Frederick Vassier. And from uh, Alfa Romeo. And I did mention, I did talk about the speculation of Matteo Benotto resigning. And I mentioned that Ross Braun's name was thrown in the mix. And I got really pumped and excited. And it was later said that, you know, Ross Braun might not actually be anywhere close to being interested in that job because apparently he wants to retire so we won't get that epic for our reunion but you know even though those rumors have been denied with Ross Braun let's I'm just telling you if you're Ross Braun right Ross Ross I guess my accent's coming in here if you're Ross Braun Ross Braun I can't uh, whatever anyway the fact is are you going to deny if Ferrari comes up to you? Will you really deny it? Would you really say, nah, not going to take it? I don't know. I feel like he might. I feel like if there's one guy that would take it, I feel like he's one guy who would be up for the challenge. Unless, unless he is really serious about his retirement. Which, hey, if he retires, I don't think anybody would complain about him retiring. I think this guy has dedicated his life to the sport. Has had a lot of great achievements. I see no reason why. He would be remiss to retire and why, you know, anybody would question that. But it was kind of funny, the other names they connect with it, right? So I was reading somewhere that Christian Horner was asked, Andreas Seidel was asked, and I'm missing somebody. It wasn't Mike Crack. I can't think of the last guy. It was Seidel. Oh, probably, yeah. Well, definitely Horner, Seidel. And Vassier and maybe Franz Toast. Ah, yes, it was Franz Toast. And it's kind of funny. Like, yeah, you think Christian Horner is really going to say yes to Ferrari? Like, that, in my opinion, would be if Christian Horner went to Ferrari, that would be one of the craziest things I've seen in a long time. I think it would be unexpected. It would be a shock move. I couldn't picture him doing it. Uh, Andreas Seidel. Um, Andreas Seidel, I could see him saying yes to that. You know, he's had his little struggles with McLaren. He's had his little... You know, I don't think McLaren... If he left McLaren, I don't think it would be as shocking. Franz Toast, if he was in the running, if he really is... He's done a lot of great work with Alpha Tauri, and I think I could see him staying there because... I think he's a great driver developer, and I don't think we'd want to see him leave AlphaTauri. But, hey, again, Ferrari, hot ticket, a lot of money. I wouldn't be surprised if any of these guys ended up saying yes. But in terms of shocking moves, I think it would be... And the most shocking would be if Horner went. And then, actually, I think Franz Tost and then Andreas Seidel would be the less. But, really, I think the job is going to go to Frederick Vassier. I think, you know, he has that Alfa Romeo connection. He's been working with Ferrari. Uh... That would be the one who I see going to it. I wouldn't imagine any other driver per se. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully Ferrari doesn't bin, doesn't bin this. Um, I feel like somehow Ferrari can manage to mess this up, especially if they don't find a decent replacement. And listen, it's not that Mattia was a bad resource for Ferrari. He's definitely a great engineer, definitely has a lot of knowledge. He was not a great team principal. Ferrari, you know, we know Ferrari had their well-documented issues with 
their team management, strategy management, different things like that. So, you know, in that regard, it sucks. Or in that regard, Mattia Bonotto obviously deserves to leave. But in the other regard, like you're losing a great resource. And who knows if he'll go somewhere else and offer his talents and uh, or if he just takes a leave from Formula One. But to lose the knowledge Mattia has could be interesting for Ferrari. And, you know, I mean, to be fair, under Mattia, Ferrari's had, you know, they had their struggles, obviously, in 2020. But, you know, and to a lesser extent, 2021. But their 2022 season was one of their best in a long time. And I know, I guess what sucks about it is you could argue that Ferrari should have won or should have been a lot closer in the championship. And if a lot of the mistakes aren't made, if there's not as much reliability issues, yeah, I think they would be right on top. So it's going to be interesting to see who replaces Matteo Barotto. Funny story, hopping on that Ferrari, and I'm going to end with this, <laughs> um, just because I found it funny. I guess uh, somebody was interviewing Gunther Steiner, and uh, I don't know who it was. I got to look. Let me... Let me get this for you quick because I definitely like just made fun of it yesterday. Um, oh, so SI.com was interviewing Gunther Steiner and he said that Matteo Bonotto told him that next year Ferrari's engine is going to be quote unquote a bomb. Now, I'm sure there's some kind of translation issue here. Obviously, a bomb means it's going to be great. It's going to be a rocket ship. But it was just funny because, uh, I mean, obviously the joke is, well, wasn't the Ferrari a bomb this year? You know, the way it blew up and went on fire and had all these reliability issues. And, uh, you know, I just found it funny that that would be what, that would be the wording used in the article. A bomb. Kind of like Ferrari season. Sorry, I had a big yawn there. You know, I keep trying to drink my coffee, keep trying to stay awake, but... I do this podcast early in the morning on a Monday to try to get it out to not just you folks in America, but trying to get it out to everybody in the world that might be listening. So that's another week of off-season podcasting. I hope you guys are enjoying the World Cup. Please, please, again, I'm going to say it one more time. We got to work on stomp out the hate on Twitter, please, like. Just stomp out this social media hate. We gotta be better. We can be better. Ugh, I'm still angry about it. I'm sorry. It still gets me annoyed. And I don't want to end this on a rant either. But, again, let's be better people. Let's stomp out the hate. Let's make sure we're policing one another on Twitter. Calling people out for the dumb the, the dumb shit. The, the, the hateful shit they say. But anyway... Another off-season podcast done. I hope you guys are listening. Again, feel free to follow me on Twitter at f one You can also follow our blog. I haven't written in a while. I've just been busy, but follow the blog over at www.f1idiots.com. You can also follow at F1idiots for random Formula One news, updates, comments, blah, blah, blah on Twitter. All right, guys. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.